The most successful and rewarding transitions from high school to college are achieved when students are open to exploration and excited about the discovery process. That's the mindset that cuts through the nonsense in the groupthink and allows them to go all in on choosing schools based on the factors that truly matter most. When called upon, I help them along the way. I'm Brian Eldridge, founder of Courier College Prep and the host of Admissions to Mars. And that's what I hope to do here, leverage my knowledge, insights, and experience to put you in possession of a regularly updated map of the college admissions landscape. And welcome back to Admissions to Mars. A couple weeks ago, you may have seen this story, or you may not have seen it because it didn't last too long in the news cycle. And it was a lawsuit alleging that over a dozen top universities, we're talking some of the wealthiest, most ultra-selective, highly rejective schools out there, have for nearly two decades colluded to limit their financial aid awards for students. The suit accuses these schools of participating in, quote, a price-fixing cartel that is designed to reduce or eliminate financial aid, and that, in fact, has artificially inflated the net price of attendance for students receiving financial aid, end quote. A cartel. How did this story not get more play? All right. The schools named in the suit. We've got Yale, Northwestern, Columbia, Brown. Georgetown, Duke, Caltech, MIT, Dartmouth, Cornell, Rice, Vanderbilt, and Emory. The defendants, the complaint alleges, have overcharged these students by at least hundreds of millions of dollars. Cartels, price fixing, and yet the stories seem to be met with a collective meh. Why? There were articles written, a smattering of news coverage, but why didn't this story survive for more than a few news cycles, if that? Maybe because unlike the Varsity Blues scandal, this one didn't have enough pizzazz, there's no celebrities involved, no photoshopping heads on crew or water polo players, not enough schadenfreude. It was maybe just a case of dog bites ma'am. Really prestigious schools favor really wealthy applicants. You don't say. Quail surprise. But Americans have a fascination with cartels, don't they? Narcos, anybody? I don't know. Maybe Netflix can do something with the story because it's a story that at the very least needs more exposure of only to make it glaringly obvious to as many people as possible how non-meritocratic elite college admissions truly is. How rigged the game truly is in favor of the applicants that these schools prize. So let me rewind just a bit and explain in a nutshell what this lawsuit is all about. So back in 1994, Congress passed legislation which allowed schools to practice need-blind admissions to create common guidelines for how they would assess an applicant's financial need when they put together aid packages. Okay, with the stipulation, they could not discuss aid offers for individual applicants. Now, need blind, right? That means schools don't take into account a student's ability to pay when determining which students to accept. Instead, in theory, the admissions department accepts students based on merit and then gives accepted students scholarships. Um, 
to ensure that they can afford the education, um, the tuition. Need aware, on the other hand, means a school does consider ability to pay. And that's what every single college should have to call itself. All right, need blind is an inaccurate and misleading designation. No college is truly need blind. If they were, they wouldn't ask if a student is applying for financial aid on the main application. This would be a completely separate question on a completely separate form that admissions doesn't see, all right? Maybe one that goes right to financial aid office. And there are several other uh, data points, pieces of information on an application that are almost certainly used to determine whether or not um, a student's ability to pay. So your parents, they ask parents' job titles, your zip code, high school you attend. These are all very powerful signals, all right? Some might say dead giveaways as to your family's financial situation. Extracurriculars can be another one. These are the tea leaves, and admissions officers are gifted readers of said leaves. Here's one more thought experiment to, uh, to really, I think, drive the point home. If an elite institution truly practiced need-blind admissions and held true to its claim to meet full need, well, they could very well find themselves admitting a class with enough need it would require them to dip into their endowment to cover the costs. And that's just not happening, ever. Hard stop. These schools have endowments. Some of them dwarf the GDP of, of countries. Look it up. They could easily cover the tuition of deserving students who require significant aid, but they don't. And one of the reasons is because oftentimes endowments have spending restrictions and this is great, put in place by large donors and managed by a board. In essence, colleges are hamstrung by the donors' wishes and the board's um, restrictions. The other reason, as the lawsuit spells out, is that these schools have literally millions of incentives to let in the children of the ultra-wealthy and connected. So insert your uh, preferred shock and awe sound effects here when I note that uh, lawyers say that at least some of the schools in the suit consider financial need by giving an admissions edge to children of wealthy donors, while some also weigh applicants' finances when admitting them off waiting lists. And you can you can read this if you choose to to read the suit and the examples that they give where it's just explicitly stated, yes, we consider whether or not a student is full pay when we... When we um, are looking at our wait list. I see that uh, clear as day each and every year when it comes down to uh, those late pulls from from wait list and, and who gets in and, and who doesn't. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, in my mind, uh, causation and not coincidence. And so the suit says this behavior should disqualify these schools from exemptions that Congress granted them. Yeah, you're damn right it should. Matt Stoller wrote a great piece where he offers an example of this system in play at Dartmouth. Um, so he says, say there's 40, 50 applicants and they're given special consideration, um, put on a development list um, at the school per, per cycle. Their only qualification is that they happen to be the children of the wealthy and powerful. 
maybe there's a donation in play. So that's 40 to 50 spots that aren't open to otherwise highly qualified applicants. And we're not even including legacy or athletic considerations here. That's the game. You've heard me say it before. All right. If you're going to play it, you need these facts out in the open and the iron stomach to swallow them. These schools, they don't have incentives to be truly meritocratic, but they do have incentives to limit the size of their incoming classes, to limit um, or, or, or to not operate on a need-blind basis, even though they say they do, because operating this way, it works for them, right? It creates what they want, which is the illusion of prestige, right? In effect, um, turning them, as Scott Galloway eloquently puts it, into luxury uh, luxury brands. With the endowments that these schools have, they could expand financial aid and admit more students, lower the cost of housing and and tuition. Um, With the eye-popping returns just over the last couple of years, which have sent endowments soaring, Some of these schools have outlined high-minded pledges to spend the money in meaningful ways. We shall see. What's the best predictor of future behavior? Right, past behavior. Follow the incentives. You read this stuff, you dig a little deeper, and it's just really hard to disagree with the sentiment shared by many that elite universities are really just businesses focused on profit rather than student experience and education. And that's just sad. And it's lamentable. Like less legroom, more fees, shrinking portions, poorer quality. It just falls into the just another trade of late stage capitalism category. But it's late January. And it's really cold where I am. Really cold. But the sun is shining, so let's bring in a little light. How about three cheers and a mug of something hot for the lion's share of American colleges and universities that don't have multi-billion dollar endowments or wealthy donors or countless parents engaging in all sorts of shenanigans to try to get their kids through the gates? Let's hear it for the vast majority of outstanding schools all across this country who year in and year out just quietly go about the important work of educating pretty much everyone else. Because what they're doing is truly more egalitarian. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that I have friends and relatives and acquaintances who've um, who've attended uh, and graduated from these schools, uh, ultra competitive. Well, granted, almost all back when the acceptance rates at them weren't theater of the absurd level. And I have students every year with sites set on some of these institutions. My job is to help them to do everything in their power to position themselves as top flight competitive candidates. Okay. And I am truly in awe at the the determination and drive and just 
how accomplished these young men and women are at this age. That wasn't me. <laughs> I know that. And uh, but, 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 but from the get-go, we're very honest in our conversations, and I lay out detailed warts and all descriptions of the landscape that they'll encounter. All right? There be monsters and unseen forces at play, and they've got to make peace with no matter how qualified they are on paper. No matter how outstanding, on a level playing field they may be, the gate may remain closed because the field is not level. And if they are ultimately rejected, um, they'll never know uh, the reason. And it might be one that is unseemly and unfair, but the game is the game. And so we build a balanced list. And I help them get their hearts and their mindset, and we march forward, knowing that they're going to love wherever they end up because they'll define success on their own terms. So check out that lawsuit if you want to swim around in some really infuriating anecdotes. Um, and I doubt that there'll be any uh, significant, you know, obviously response from from the schools or, or, or even embarrassment for that matter. But um, yeah, you know, check it out at your peril. And um, I don't say the anecdote. I say the, they're infuriating. They're not surprising. I don't think the element of surprise is there. And maybe that's why the story won't get the Netflix treatment, right? Even though to anyone in the world of college admissions or, or college counseling, um, the only thing really surprising about the Varsity Blues scandal was how unsurprising uh, the details actually were. But that's another episode for another day. If you found this one edifying, entertaining, worth your time, please subscribe. Tell someone. And until next time, be good and be good at it. <laughs>